Andy, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. I'm excited. I'm excited to dive into your entrepreneurial journey. But before we do, I want to rewind the clock just a bit. I want to go back to the days of when an aunt or an uncle or even a mentor at school would have asked you what it is you wanted to be when you grow up. Andy, what was your answer to that question back then? At a young age, I would say I my, my answer would have been I wanted to be a farmer. I grew up on a farm. My dad had a farm, always worked for himself. And I didn't realize, I never thought of the word entrepreneurship. To me, mm -hmm. I was going to be a farmer. And that's where, that's where it started. So, yeah. And do you mind if I ask, where was the farm and what kind of animals or what did you have on the farm? We were actually vegetable farmers and we had mm -hmm. hundreds of acres of carrots Ooh. And um, yeah, lots of carrots. So we ate lots of carrots growing up <laughs> and uh, we had carrots. And then my, my dad and my uncle, they were in their two brothers were in business together and they also had greenhouses and grew bedding plants and flowers mm. and so on. So they got heavily into the greenhouse business. So that's how I, I grew up. Yeah. I love that you were surrounded by it. From all angles, you were surrounded by entrepreneurship and didn't even realize what it was. Isn't it funny how that happens as kids here? You're saying to yourself, you know, I'd love to do that, but the word entrepreneurship, the concept of it doesn't actually hit you until much, much later in life. So I love that carrot farming. So yeah. what happened when you got to high school and college? What was it that made you say, okay, Maybe a farm isn't where I want to be. What was it that kind of changed the journey for you? Yeah, so it actually wasn't a conscious decision on my part, Lori. It was, it was actually, we, we grew up on the farm. And then in 1986, we had a, a, large, a large fire claimed our mm. carrot processing plant and cold storage plant. The whole thing burned down. And I remember I was, I was about 10 or 12 at the time. Oh, it would have been 12 at the time. And so that changed the trajectory. So what we ended up mm -hmm. doing, we, we that's when the farming stopped, but we continued in the greenhouse business and we actually opened up a retail garden center in the city and because we lived out in the country, but our, the closest city. And we opened up a retail garden center and my my dad with my mom started that 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 retail garden center business. And I, at the age of, 14, when that was opened, finally opened, I'd work there, you know, on evenings, weekends, all the time and, uh, work, work there. Um, you know, is, yeah, it started up a couple other businesses, but I, I, I basically never worked for anyone else. I went from there to university and then I took over the family business. So it was not a conscious decision for me to leave farming. It was a fire that caused the whole family to leave farming and focus on the greenhouse business. And truly, you not only were surrounded by entrepreneurship from an early age, but you had the opportunity to witness a major pivot yeah. in that journey prior to the journey becoming something you took on for yourself. And that's yeah. almost priceless information for a child to be able to witness and be a part of in any way, shape or form. And I'm positive that sets you up really well for the future of, you know, thinking about taking on the family business and moving forward with this. So it was no longer farming. You had already had the pivot. You're going into the greenhouse. You took over the family business. 
tell me how it is that you took the family business and, and greenhouse and decided to shift into entrepreneurship as it is for you today. Sure, sure. Yeah, it was interesting because I've never worked for anyone else except for my dad, you know, the family business. Um, but it never felt like I was working for someone. So we, mm -hmm. in, in both sides of my family, my mother and my father's side, they're all entrepreneurs. I, I still remember to this day, which you, I think you'd find it interesting. The, the moment that a friend of mine, I realized that a friend of mine's dad worked for somebody. That concept, I didn't even realize mm -hmm. was a concept. And I thought that's interesting. That's so fascinating. Like your dad doesn't have his own business or his own farm or his own store because all of our, our, all of our extended family are all entrepreneurs. And so it was, it was kind of interesting. So it was never a question that I would always work for myself. It was a question of what it would be and how it would look. The best opportunity at the time was the family business. And out of university, my father was adamant that he was not going to even talk about, you know, shifting control of the, the, the family business to me until I had a university degree. So I got my business degree and then immediately went into work with, you know, with him. And two years later, took over the family business in a deal with my, my mom and my, my, my parents, my mom and dad at the time, and, uh, and then continued to, to grow that. And then, you know, I've been involved in God, I haven't even count them up, but probably a dozen different businesses over the years, bought and sold different businesses, started, grew. I lost different businesses. We either shut down or a couple of big bankruptcies in there. And I think to your point, I never thought of that actually, Lori, until you just mentioned that is that witnessing my, my parents do a pivot, a major pivot in mm -hmm. their career when I was still a young teenager probably influenced me to think that no business is ever like the B it, it's it, you know, life doesn't start and end with the business, you know, right. in business, you're always reinventing yourselves itself. And the business I'm in today may not be the business that I'm in in 10 years from now. And that's okay. Right. And it's natural and normal and you keep evolving. So I never thought about that, but yeah, that's the first big pivot we, we took as a family and that probably had an impression on me. That I can only imagine what kind of an impression it had. You know, I have to admit, Andy, I think you were the very first guest that I've ever had that has had the blessing of growing up with entrepreneurship as the lay of the land around mm. you to the degree where it was almost a shock for you to hear that someone had a parent who worked for someone else. Whereas 90% of the guests that I've had on this show from the time that I started it as a podcast to, you know, today where we're on TV, I mean, there are so many guests that I've had and all of us have grown up with the thought of you go to school, you get a job, yeah. you work for someone else. So the blessing of being surrounded by entrepreneurship, obviously, of course, would, you know, blossom that journey for you. And then, like you said, the ability to witness that major pivot, mm -hmm. which a lot of entrepreneurs don't get to see even when they're in their 
own business. They don't get to see someone else go through that in such an intimate manner as I'm positive you have the ability to do with your parents. You've had all of these experiences, which definitely obviously have shaped where you are today. So please share all about your practice today. Sure. So, you know, I'd be remiss if I, so I I did a, a couple of pivots, but the biggest pivot I did in my life happened about 12 years ago, actually. Prior to that, it was a number, you know, after uh, leading in the, the recession of uh, 08, 09, you know, a long, long story short, we grew the family business. We grew it over 600% in a period of about, um, about 10 years. So we grew it quite quickly, but then uh, I actually hit a brick wall and, you know, don't mind talking about it at all to these days, but I actually went through bankruptcy and lost everything personally. And in the business, like we lost everything. The only reason we kept the house is because I had had in my wife's name and not mine because Mm. I lost everything. And at that time, and it was interesting because only two times did my wife ever bring up the idea of getting a job. And, but most people around me assumed, even my own mother said that, uh, you know, you should just look at getting a job with the government or with the bank or whatever. And my dad, it, my, myself, it was never a question. My dad, I remember saying, that's not who he is. Don't ask him to be who's not who knew it, not who he is. And, you know, it was never a question. I was just going to figure it out. And I always tell young mm-hmm. entrepreneurs now, no matter how bad it is, if you're an entrepreneur, by definition, it means you're going to figure it out. You just put one yes. foot in front of the next and you will figure it out. And for me, what that meant was afterwards, I started casting all kinds of lines, just trying all kinds of things. I probably looked at, I remember one time I counted 18 different businesses to get into and tried all kinds of things. And actually three of them <laughs> stuck and three of them, I continue to this day. I, I started nice. a marketing company with a really different mm-hmm. business model. And that's now Tulip Media. That 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 stock it has grown and flourished over the last number of years. I started into I got some investors together and did some real estate development, and now nice. I do a lot of I own apartment buildings, so I've got a real estate development there, and I got into sharing my knowledge and my experience along with business methodology. And I became a business coach. I'm a certified scaling up business coach with Vern Harnish. And to this day, and over time, you know, you you figure out what you're good at and what you're not so good Mm -hmm. at. And to this day, I have all three of those businesses going. Plus I'm invested in three other businesses uh, as a passive, as a minority passive investor. So, you know, I've now learned as an entrepreneur, I had all my eggs in one basket, lost the basket. Now I have my eggs in several baskets and I'm really, really loving the business, the entrepreneur environment or the business uh, landscape that I'm, that I'm operating in right now. And um, yeah, and, and it's, uh, you know, it's a great challenge every day and and really enjoying it and and really enjoying helping others Mm -hmm. find their own entrepreneurial journey and scaling their own companies and growing and so on. So I'm, that's, that's been my, uh, that, that, that's been kind of where I'm at now and specifically my journey over the last 12 years as well. I thank you so much for bringing that piece in 
because one of the pieces that I don't think we've covered on this show is the fact that bankruptcy isn't the end no. of the business. It doesn't have to be the end of the journey even. No. You may be encouraged to end the journey <laughs> because there's always going to be someone around you who wants for you to think twice. And sometimes it's for your own good, but it doesn't have to be yeah. the end of the business. So I love that you brought that up that, you know, you've gone there, been there, and it doesn't matter who's around you that's saying that you should probably end the journey. You can still bounce back from that because like you said, definition of an entrepreneur is we're going to figure it out. It's kind of why we went into it. Uh, yeah. I, I have <laughs> to share with evolving. you what the, the day, Lori, the day I lost my business, the day, like the, the banks literally walked in the front door. Actually, they gave me a half an hour notice. They oh. said, we're walking in at 8.30. If you want to tell your staff wow. right now that as of 8.30 this morning, there's no more business. That was a hard day, but they literally yeah. walked in. And that day I called out to a mentor of mine that I had known for years and years and years, very extremely successful businessman. When he sold his company, they had five corporate jets, just to give you an idea of the, you know, the, the, the success that he had. So I got together with him and I said, uh, Bob, you know, he, I, I've been in touch with him quite a bit through the journey. And I said, you know, I lost everything. The banks walked in this morning and he said, come over to the house. I'll be expecting you. So I went over to his house and here's what he, he said. He said, how old are you right now? And at the time I was 36. He said, oh, that's the perfect age for your bankruptcy. He said, I lost everything at 42. And I thought that was a little bit too late. I'm glad you're doing it at 36. And, and he said, you know what? The way I see is that you were a really good business person in a really bad industry, in an <laughs> industry that is declining. So why don't you be a really good entrepreneur, a really good business person in an industry that's rising? Mm -hmm. And that really, that really struck me when he said, oh, that's the perfect age for your bankruptcy. Good. Get that one out of the way. Now you can truly build success. And I thought that is really a great way to look at this. Uh, and I love he also when people said, have a silver lining. Yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, you've just gone through the best, but the most expensive business PhD program you could ever attend. Mm -hmm. So that's great, Bob. But I wasn't, I, I was good with the, my education, the way it, where it was at. I wasn't looking for more, but, but it was, uh, it's a great way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Not only is it a great way to look at it, but gained all this knowledge about how that can come about, how to navigate those moments and how to work with your employees, how to have those conversations. There's so much knowledge that you gain through going through that moment that I'm sure you've now have the ability to kind of take with you and transform into where you are today. So I'd love for you to share all about Tulip Media. Yeah, so Tulip Media has been a really fun adventure. We started with a very unique model where we would do custom publishing and we would help clients, you know, we call them client partners, create custom publications, whether it be newsletters, printed newsletters or printed magazines mm -hmm. so that they could help brand themselves. And that evolved into a whole digital offering where our, our specialty and our niche is when we work with, typically it's a, a B2B client partner that has selling the larger ticket items where it's an online to offline sales process. So we work with a lot of insurance agencies. We work with mm -hmm. a lot of manufacturers. 
with a lot of specialty service companies and we'll help them in where, where kind of our superpower is that is, is we help them properly set up and manage and execute on real strong online promotional campaigns, meaning pay-per-click, we'll set up their pay-per-click, SEO to bring traffic to the website. Most importantly, we help them with, we take a scientific approach to building out their website so that the right clients will take a call to action. And mm-hmm. then we help them to engage with their clients through some sort of print marketing as well. But it's a whole package. Our measurement of excellence is not how many, how much website we get to your traffic, how much, you know, how many people like your Facebook page or follow you on Instagram or LinkedIn. What I, what we care about is how many times do we make your phone ring? How many times do we have people who will con- fill out a contact form looking for more information? Or how many times do people book a meeting with you through your website where you can wake up and instead of having to cold call and knock on doors, so to speak, you wake up and you see, oh, somebody booked a meeting on my calendar at 10 o'clock this morning. And I have another one at 1.30 this afternoon for people who are interested in what we have to offer. That's what we're good at. And, you know, the way we put it is we will make a marketing manager look like a superhero because we'll deliver, we'll help he or she deliver truly real tangible results, measurable results for their company. So we work in the background, setting up and managing the whole process to make that marketing manager look like a superhero. So that's what we do. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love that. You guys are marketing in a manner that is revolving around the income generating activities that are truly going to make a change in someone's practice versus measuring the engagement on social media. So love that, measuring and managing the income generating activities. Tulip Media, I suggest that people go ahead and reach out to you. Please share some of the links in which they can go ahead and reach out to you. One thing that we we offer up to anyone, any of your listeners, Lori, is that if they if people go to tm.media forward slash double sales, and I'll talk, I'll mention the book here in a moment, but tm.media forward slash double sales, right there, listeners can download a free chapter of our of our latest book. A couple of years ago, just Jessica Embry, my co-author, and I wrote the book Double Sales, Zero Sales People. And it talks about our journey as well as the journey of many of our client partners that leverage mm-hmm. online promotional act tactics to basically reduce their sales force and produce more results. But yeah, if you go to tm.media forward slash double sales, you can download a chapter of the book. They can buy the book. Or one thing that we encourage your listeners to do is, look, if, if you're not sure what to do with your own marketing, with your own promotions online, at that uh, at that URL, at that link, uh, they can book a call, a 30 minute call with myself or Jessica. There's no cost. And just let's just chat about your business and, you know, your strategies. I guarantee it's worth the, it's worth the 30 minutes just to get some outside ideas, if nothing else, on a different way that they mm-hmm. can look at their own marketing and their own branding. So Excellent. I encourage people to, to reach out for sure. Excellent. I'll be sure to include that link on the show notes page. So definitely. So if you had the opportunity to go back, say 10 to 15 years and tell yourself just one thing, what do you think that would be? 
10 or 15 years to tell myself one thing. I would say, you know, I've learned a lot over the last 10, 15 years is for entrepreneurs to make sure that you're in a business, you have to be successful. You have to be in a business that you love, but it also has to be a business that makes sense. Meaning, you know, I was in a business that I loved in the retail home and garden center business, but it was a declining industry. Mm-hmm. With the onsets of Walmart and Home Depot and Costco and all these guys that kind of, you know, uh, made it very, very difficult to survive as an independent retailer. But I would say, you know, do a business that you love, but get into a good business. If you have the choice between mm-hmm. business A and business B, and business B is is part of a rising tide, is part of a trend that's moving upwards, is part of a an industry that has a really bright future. If you can be a good business person in a good industry, your success will grow exponentially versus being a really good business person in a tough industry, you're you're swimming upstream all the time. So young entrepreneurs, I would suggest really looking at that. And you do have to enjoy it because if you're an entrepreneur, you may, you know, you're going to absolutely love maybe three or four days out of 10, you know, another three or four days are going to be mediocre. And then there's going to be one or two days that are just terrible. And if you don't love what you do, you're going to lose steam and you're going to lose interest and you're you're just going to lose motivation to keep pushing forward. So Mm -hmm. we all have good days. We all have bad days. You're an entrepreneur. You'll figure it out in those bad days. Just keep putting one foot in front of the next uh, but make sure you're doing something that you love as well. It is really important. Definitely. Andy, I think you've covered it all in this interview <laughs> from surrounding yourself with the right people, taking a measure and lay of the land to make sure you're in the right industry and really going with something that's rising tied to making sure that you're you're really paying attention to yourself throughout the journey. I mean, I think you've really honestly covered it all in this episode. And I thank you. Thank you so much for doing so. Thank you for having me because it's always enjoyable to chat with such a pleasant person. And it's, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed this conversation as well. I've really enjoyed hearing your journey, hearing the pitfalls, hearing the bounce backs, hearing how you've made sure to make some really strategic moves throughout your journey to make sure that your journey is something that you want for it to be. But patience and and loving what you do are forefront in your mind on this journey because without it, you're gonna lose that steam. It's it's really hard to maintain that motivation. So the show is really designed to help entrepreneurs come up with an idea for a business and an industry that they may not have been thinking of. So I'd love for you to share, Andy, if you had the chance to wave a magic wand, and change anything at all in your business at the moment. What do you feel like that would be and why? One magic wand that I am waving right now, if you want to call it that, Lori, is, yeah, you know, you, as an entrepreneur, you also need to realize what you're good at and what, what you're not good at. And it's taken oh. me, I mean, I'm turning 50 this year, and it's taken me until this age to realize what I'm good at and not good at. It takes some time. <laughs> And, you know, I consider myself a fairly bright person. It's still taking me a long time, decades to figure out. But one of the things in my example, for instance, is I've come to realize I am really good. I'm a really good startup guy. I will get a concept off the ground Mm. running. 
I'm not a good operator. And the way one of my, you know, I, I have a couple of partners in Tulip Media and, um, uh, and one of my partners said, he had a great analogy. He said, you're, you're one of the best guys I know who can build the car, get it on the track and in the race. But once you're in the race and you're competing, if you don't get someone else in the driver's seat, you get bored and you'll take that car off road and see what it'll do off road. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm notorious for doing that. And if you look at my business career, I do that all the time, but where I've been successful, it's been like real estate developments. I love putting big deals together, getting it through city planning, getting all the engineering done, getting the building built. And then once the building is built and it's filled up with tenants, I have buildings that I probably haven't walked through a half a dozen times afterwards because I have right. building managers who manage the buildings for me. And that, and that's good, but I'm a good startup guy. I'm not a good operator. So with Tula Media as an example, I've recently hired a president who's going to take over as CEO. And I'm actually backing out of the company altogether. Because, uh, yeah. So it, it's taken me, like I said, I'm not that, I'm not that bright because it's taken me so long <laughs> to figure this out. So the person I brought on, somebody I've known for a long time, and he is an amazing operator, not a startup right. guy. He would never be a startup guy. Uh, it's too risky, just not interested in the, in the, in the heavy lift, but boy, can he take a car that's already in the race and fine tune it to speed it up? And, you know, he just started with us a couple of months ago and already we're like, you could feel the, the accelerator pushing down on this and we're on the track. We're not off track. We're not going <laughs> off roading. So that's a big thing, but recognizing what you're good at and what you're not good at and where your strengths do not lie, like where you have weaknesses to recognize and to embrace it. Because I think this is something that I've known for a long time, but I, I always said, no, 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 I'm a good operator. I'm a good operator, but I'm not. And once you embrace that and say, you know what? I can have somebody else operate this company so I can get out of the day to day. Mm -hmm. I can focus on my, my coaching is great because I can work with different companies all the time and help them scale up and help them with their strategy and so on. And the real estate is great because you can build a building and I walk away from it, build the next building and walk away from it. But just embracing it and realizing that I'm just a really, really good startup guy. I'm better than most that I know, but I'm a really poor operator. So I've got to step out once it's up and running and embracing what you're good at and equally embracing what you're not good at. So embracing what you're advice. good at. That is an outstanding one. Really embracing what you're good at and embracing what you're not good at enough so that you recognize it's time to delegate. It's time to make that move. Find the team, find the people who are going to help you actually flourish and grow from where you are. Entrepreneurs can only do so much on their own. We're all guilty of it. And it takes all of us time. Andy, you're not the only one. It took me until this year to hire my first admin. Okay. So yeah, no, you're yeah. not the only one, but it takes that time. It takes time for you to recognize, okay, this is where I need to take myself out of the picture. This is where I need to step back. And this is where someone else is going to be able to do a far better job than I ever could because I have other things that I really should be focused on. Very excellent advice, Andy. I thank you so much for sharing your journey and your time with us this afternoon.
Well, thank you for having me, Lori. It's always a pleasure. And with yourself, it's, it's, a, it's a special pleasure. So Thank you. I truly enjoyed the conversation. And I look forward to seeing your journey continue as you continue to make your pivots. Okay. Thank you so much.